Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to The Strike and Ellicott Files, an unofficial podcast dedicated to all things Cormor and Strike as written by Robert Galbraith. My name is Kenz, and today Lindsay, Sam, and I will be continuing our discussion of the latter half of Part 1 of Troubled Blood. As always, please be warned that our discussion of Troubled Blood will reference events that occur later in the book, as well as the previous books in the series. Without further ado, let's begin! Getting on with chapter four. Chapter four has got so much cool stuff in it. It's a lot of stuff packed in this episode. Um, What did we think about overall about what happens in chapter four? What were our thoughts? I don't even know where to start because there's so (laughs) much. Do we talk about Leda? Do we talk about Joan? I... Kent, I know where you want. To, I know where you want to start with this. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, just to um, just to get it out of the way, um, since I did bring this up in the first episode too. Again, loving Joe's powers of description. I have to say, even learning amongst all of the you know tragic things that you know Fort Strike went through with, during his childhood, the most tragic part of this chapter, honestly. Is Lucy coming out to tell Strike to put clothes on after he was uh, smoking a cigarette outside? Because I was quite enjoying that mental image myself. But that's just me and Lindsay. Um... (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put myself on mute again. (laughs) Sam is like, what did I get myself into with these two? (laughs) Part of that is is totally deadpan. Um, I don't actually mean that. But... um, But... Yeah, I would be like, I I can see his irritation factor, though, just like if it's five o'clock in the morning and I'm trying to have a smoke outside, please don't talk to me, much less try and like argue with me about who loves like your mother figure more like fuck off. Like it's five (laughs) o'clock in the morning. That's time for that. Yeah, (laughs) this is one of those things where I can really see where both of them are coming from. But her approach is so difficult. I, I think she really puts Strike on a pedestal, I think. Like, the thing she said, it's because she, she wants him to be better and do better with her kids mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think the way she goes about it is maybe wrong. But then, right. you know, she spent, you know, spending lots of time looking after Joan and things. And, you know, everyone's upset. But Right. I, everyone's I re- hurting. Yeah. 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 I, I just think. You know, I think she she just wants him to do better, but actually he's happy doing what he's doing. Yeah, I will say the things that I agreed with her on that I actually thought about back in Lethal White, like um, when he wants to take Jack out, I kind of did think, oh, is that going to be an issue with her other two kids? So I, I do I don't agree with him on the whole treating them equally thing or that he thinks that they shouldn't be treated equally. I get that. And obviously he shouldn't have said <laughs> what he said <laughs> but it's hard not to laugh at it because you know luke is so obnoxious but <laughs> the um the epigraph for this one was uh, oh, yeah. was an interesting one um i way overthought this at first while i was 
looking over the uh, epigraphs again a few days ago because the epigraph is begotten by two fathers of one mother though of contrary natures to each other um so that's basically just talking about the differences between strike and lucy Um, at first i wasn't sure like what that meant i was super overthinking it i was like going into like with one mother but like what is she trying to like make a point about like joan versus leda and then i was like wait a second it just means how they're different. <laughs> yeah, it literally, you're, they're talking about how they have two different fathers with the same mother and yeah. they're super different from each other. Like, it's not that deep. <laughs> yeah. One of the one of the things that, that I thought about in reference to their childhood, like they had the same childhood, but I feel like their experiences would have been very different just because Lucy is a girl. It, it's, it explains that, you know, Strike being big for his age was able to protect himself and protect Leda and Lucy, but Lucy probably didn't have that, wasn't able to protect herself. And we already know that Leda brought around all of these questionable men. God only knows what happened at that commune, which I'm afraid that we're going to find out about. But I imagine growing up as a girl in that situation, she would have been on constant alert and constant fear. So the person who was supposed to protect her, her mother didn't. And she's angry about that. And strike can't understand that from that perspective because he didn't live it. You know, it's just, it's just one of those things that not to pick on men, Sam, but you know, that you can't understand, you know, kind of like if we're walking to our car late at night, you you won't have that experience of looking around or putting your keys between your fingers because, you know, just in case, like it's just one of those things that, that they can't relate to each other on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like when my sister, you know, used to finish work and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it gets into winter, it gets pretty dark here in those months. And, you know, mm-hmm. she always used to, you know, always used to call either my mobile or a boyfriend's mobile while she walked to her car. Right. And, you know, I, I totally get it because you don't know who's around. But right. as, you know, as a 26 year old white guy, you know, you don't think about, that you just walk to your car and go home yeah I I totally agree with you so don't worry about about that it's totally different yeah it it reminds me of there was an interview that JK Rowling did about uh, the Brock Bank situation where she said that strike see it the same way that Robin does because he's a man and he doesn't have that same experience that Robin does so yeah it kind of reminds me of that and that maybe Lucy I don't know if she wants him to understand it from that perspective or if she thinks that he doesn't get it or I don't know what it is there but but the problem is that she doesn't even give him a chance you know she doesn't say well how do you feel and let me explain to you why I feel this way she just talks at him and kind of goes on the attack from the start which is I think the issue for him because he really seems to not like being told how he feels Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, I guess we yeah. all like to, you know, live our own lives and do things how we want to. And when people challenge that, you either accept it and take it on, or you just completely rebuff it and don't think anything, anything of it. I think he does a pretty good job at ignoring most of it because it seems like he was there for a whole week and didn't fight with anybody until this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is an admirable amount of self-restraint on his part. One of the things that also stuck out to me was when Lucy says that you know you're good in a crisis i was just about to bring that up <laughs> when he responds i understand illness and recuperation believe it or not and she immediately thinks that he's talking about jack but i thought he was talking about himself yeah that's what i thought and the point that 
or the fact that Lucy doesn't see it that way kind of just reiterates the fact that she's not thinking about his feelings and his experience. She's only seeing this from her perspective. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's a there's a bit before then where he he noted the Joan-esque statement of fact, yeah. the lack of inquiry. So yeah, he de uh, yeah she definitely picked that up a lot of that up from from Joan. We also get to see Ted, even though Yay. you know, yeah, Ted is. I like uh, how his you know, just his description, just the description of him, like you could really see why Cormoran looks like him. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's another bit also going into, um, you know, Leda and Joan again, the, um, that line about whenever Strike is leaving and he's giving Joan a hug goodbye and he feels the, yeah. uh, the pain of divided loyalties of being both battleground and prize of having to give names to what was uncategorizable and unknowable. Yeah, I actually made a note of that too, because that got me in all my feels. Mm -hmm. Just imagining what it must have been like for Joan, who loves these kids as her own. And just having someone show up randomly, not know when, and just take them away, not knowing if they're going to be safe or have, have, clothes, have clothes that fit that are warm enough, right? And not knowing ever when you're going to see them again, it must have been devastating. And uh, I, I have to imagine that those nights that, that the kids left were really hard for her. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine also being pretty pissed off about how like um you know there's that bit about how they had enrolled you know lucy and strike in private school imagine being mad that your kids are in school yeah she, she shows up you know two months in the term and is like oh well you know no you're coming back to london with me blah 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 yeah. and like no like who do you think you are <laughs> yeah yeah it's awful the whole thing is awful it mm. just really um up until this point, like strikes memories of Leda or loving memories, it, that one part in Career of Evil at the very end where Donald Lang insults her, but he yeah. says, yeah, but she still loved me. Like that was kind of what I had in my mind that she was loving, but this is, ugh, she's, she's yeah. just super neglectful and I can't imagine what that must have been like. And then especially mm -hmm. their divided loyalty, like you want to be loyal to your parent, but then Ugh. yeah exactly and, and yeah just how lucy obviously has a very different relationship but it's not fair to assume <laughs> i don't know the whole thing they just need to talk can they just talk please yeah they they really <laughs> really need to talk i like the the bit that didn't make me entirely not like leda was a bit about how you know it's okay to cry yeah which is it just made me feel bad about completely like you are a being like, you're a terrible mother to both Lucy and Cormoran, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, and you should just let, you know, your sister-in-law just take the kids and raise mm -hmm. them properly, since clearly you have no interest in actually raising your children. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I'm sure we'll find out more about Leda later. I'm and, sure and we find will. Some more yeah, context. I think, I think there's a lot more to come out of, of that whole story. And that's the part mm -hmm. that I'm like, so curious about, or is it going to be is it going to make me like her more or less? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like she's going to be kind of a gray character morally. Um, and it's going to be, it's like, you know, with Snape where it's like, right. You can see yeah. it from both Ooh, sides. It just kind of depends. <laughs> could, you could interpret it either way and have valid arguments for both. So. Well, let's, let's think about this because, okay. How many years, 13 years, 14 years on and Snape is, a jerk 
is my still my my analysis still <laughs> i i i would agree i'm not i'm not a huge fan of him either his uh, mm. intentions were noble but still mm. kind of mm. a crap human yeah yeah because i'm always like what the hell did neville do why are you picking on neville <laughs> like, he's, he's like this sweet child. baby angel and why are you picking yeah. on him <laughs> It's like you, like you could go through that entire school career and not hit kids with books. But, but here we are. <laughs> but it's like, okay, so you don't like Harry because of, you know, Lily. Okay, but what did Neville do? Leave Neville alone is my is my whole point. We all have bad days, but, you know, just free abuse of children with literature isn't the way to go about it. I don't even think I've asked you, like, if you're, are you a Harry Potter fan? Yeah, yeah, I like Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden i'm bringing up references that i don't even know if you know <laughs> no I, re I read the books like right from you know right from they were, when the first one was released all the way through so you know oh, wow. it's been a long time since i've read them but i'll get i'll get most references and stuff hopefully okay, anyway <laughs> so we should probably move on to the next part yeah although i was gonna say we just get a little bit more of luke being awful here the yeah. joy that he finds in tattling on Cormoran that oh. he broke his the flowers really annoyed me. Yeah, that really irritated me. <laughs> yeah, well, he's just sitting here like eating his cereal, being like, "Yeah, you have to pick that up, huh?" Well, he <laughs> runs back with like a smile on his face, yeah. and it's like, "Granny, Uncle Cormoran broke your flowers," and it's like you could see him rubbing his fingers together, hoping <laughs> that he gets in trouble or something. Oh, that, see, that that bit wasn't the worst bit for me. It's when Cormoran was like, "Oh, no, I've cleared it all up," and then he's like. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I trod on oh, yeah. them. And it's yeah. I like his, what he thinks later, like, hey, I'll trot on you, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those things that we really wish we could say to people. We all have that inner voice and mm -hmm. you know, it never comes out. And sometimes you're like, say it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That was funny. Oh, that was yeah. Funny. <laughs> All right, should we go on to chapter five? Mm -hmm. This one also had a good um, epigraph. The more I looked at these, like, and the more that I think about them, the more I really like them. It can be a little hard to pick apart sometimes, but mm -hmm. um, but the epigraph for this one is, uh, he little answered, but in manly heart, his mighty indignation did forbear, which was not so secret, but some part thereof did in his frowning face appear which basically, and just to give a quick summary in this one, this is Robin and Strike kind of having their little debrief in, uh, in Falmouth. But it's how I took it basically was that, um, you know, Strike is trying really hard to seem like he's not upset. His leg is in pain. You know, he's fallen over and everything. And he's trying to hide all of that from Robin. But Robin, of course, can already see he's in pain. He clearly is, you know, there's something going on that he's not talking about. And Strikes isn't talking about it, but Robin knows about it and he can see through she can see through all of that immediately yeah i like that line where it talks about she she knew how he looked when his leg was in pain like he had been clenching his jaw or something yeah yeah mm -hmm. like she's been like she's always been really astute right from the beginning but mm -hmm. now she really like knows him a lot better um you know yeah. she yeah she can just tell oh that must have happened or whatever you know he's fallen down or, or... right it's just another way to show that how much they know each other and how close that they really are yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i like that this is the already we're only five chapters in and this is the second occurrence of annoying children yeah and they were particularly irritating in yeah they were this chapter like it's like she was writing them to be particularly annoying <laughs> it just i mean i know that later on it's going to come up the subject of kids but it really seemed 
to be like really full force with the annoying kids yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you know we've all been in in situations like that before when mm-hmm. you know you just want to sit down there are you know screaming kids around and stuff and when you're already in a rubbish mood that sort of thing is always gonna kind of wear right. you down that little bit more i think right but i think it was good to see like his mood then and then how it how much it improved in like the next two or three chapters for sure yeah and i also liked how she saw like the idea of standing to greet her kind of cross his mind but he yeah dismissed it yeah that was cute too <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were all expecting like a strike <laughs> but no <laughs> no i like that he thinks about how he doesn't want to be fussed over but has robin ever yeah ever fussed over him it's yeah it's probably just usually... been the whole week with people who probably do so mm-hmm. yeah He's like, yeah, she has a, a headache. And he's like, man, I could really use some paracetamol. About he didn't now. even want to ask for some. <laughs> These like, two are on. so stubborn, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, she should have just been like, all right, here's two. Yeah. Like, without yeah. even saying anything, just be like, I know you're in pain. Just take it. Yeah. <laughs> do you reckon that's him just trying to be a- alpha male or show off? What do you think? I don't know. I, I think part that it could be part of that. Yeah, but probably also just being around Lucy and Joan for a whole week and maybe being fussed over so he and also by strangers too. So, he's getting it from yeah. all yeah, sides. Yeah, the whole the whole thing about him falling and that was that was hard to read because it was just like imagine how that must have felt falling in front of all these people and then having the person shout, "Oh, it's okay. He has one leg. He has a fake leg. Yeah. yeah, like why would you do that? It's just he probably had just a real humiliating morning, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that and think about that. That would be quite a tumble. Like that's you know, six foot three and and you're like a big guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. I looked up the the actual ramp. I, I saw a picture of it and I was like, ooh, that's it's kind of steep and narrow. Yeah. The mm-hmm. thing with those slipways is the tide comes up and down. So it's all, you know, some of them are just covered in like green mm-hmm. seaweed and slime and oh. stuff. So, you know, even without a fake leg, you probably, you know, you'd have trouble standing mm-hmm. up anyway. And yeah, I thought, like you said, to, you know, for the main dude to be like, oh, you know, don't worry, it's fine. He's got a fake leg. Like, you know, you wouldn't. How does that do help? That. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just yeah. help him onto the ferry and don't draw attention to it. Like, <laughs> but. Uh. All right. There isn't much else, I think, for chapter five, really. Yeah. This one was a pretty short chapter. Yeah. So should we get to being at Anna and Kim's house? Chapter six. Yeah. Chapter six. Yeah. There was a lot of uh, a lot of meat in here for uh, the the plot. I was really it was really sad, you know, just kind of hearing the background and how long Anna's been trying to find her mom and then piecing together the stuff that happened with Roy and Cynthia and just all of that was just so heartbreaking. I really felt for, for poor Anna for how long she's been, you know, trying to find her mom. Yeah. And we see a bit more of um, how she's been taken advantage of in the past with the website that she set up and yeah. all of that. Yeah. It's like, why, yeah. why are people, why are people online sometimes so awful? <laughs> right. <laughs> they're just, they're terrible. Uh, although the thing that I really liked about this was the cats. <laughs> Yes, I like. I like. Are your favorite part? (laughs) Well, I liked that. um, I like (laughs) not because I'm a cat person. (laughs) That's not it. Uh, I like that they were named Cagney and Lacey. I thought that was super fun. What is that like? An old detective show, Mm -hmm. right? I've never seen it, but I know it's a thing. 
Yep. But Cagney jumping up and distracts strikes lap immediately. And then, therefore, I said she's my spirit animal. <laughs> yep. That, that is my ideal position, sitting in Strike's lap, receiving pets. <laughs> that That is Lindsay. <laughs> I may have texted you that. Yes. <laughs> to which I sent a, a rather wonderful Austin Powers gif that said, oh, behave. And you were like, I will not. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a real insight into you guys now. This is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh oh my god We're fun, we're a fun group <laughs> I'll try to hold myself back When we talk about Robin So don't worry <laughs> Oh go for it, I mean if we're going to do it <laughs> Go for it Yeah, it, trust me, I love Robin just as much So so <laughs> I, I will be with you there bud <laughs> well, You guys will have to invite me back now It's, it, it's happening <laughs> Oh yes Yes, definitely <laughs> So there were a couple of things in this chapter that I really liked, just a couple of things that were, were standouts, was the mention of the perfume that Margot wears. It's Reap Gauche. And um, something interesting that I thought about it, and I didn't actually realize this until I came across it on the um, one of the strike reddits. And they were talking about how whenever this perfume came out in the you know mid to late 70s, that it was advertised as not being a perfume for the French word it can be interpreted a couple of different ways, but it's either erased or disappeared women. So I thought that that was really interesting that of all the perfumes that that Joe cool. decided to um, to link into there because she seems to use perfumes as a you know narrative device. Perfumes is a big thing. Mm. Yeah, they're definitely a big thing. So I thought that that was interesting that she decided to pick that particular perfume for Margot. And then also there's, um, they mention Margot's love of Joni Mitchell, which was a, a really cool mm -hmm. little um, personal touch there. I think we found out that that was going to feature in the book shortly before it came out. Right, which I immediately then downloaded the album. Yep. You were both <laughs> listening to that. Sam, did you ever get a chance to actually listen to that while you're reading the book or beforehand at all? Or did you just kind of uh, take it as you were reading it? I just kind of took it as I was reading it. I mean, I've heard a bit of Joni Mitchell before, but you know, it's not it's not really my my thing. I not suppose. Thing. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Being said, um, with um, Career of Evil, I listened to Blue Oyster Cult. Oh right. I listened to their discography loads of times. Whenever the you know the songs were mentioned and stuff, I always listened to them. I thought that was great. Yeah, mm -hmm. I haven't done that. I should do that too. Although it's a little bit more creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit more rocky metal sort of thing well just i mean like knowing this is what he listened to well you know yeah he opens his freezer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a bit it's a bit like listening to the beatles white album which is what manson used not that i'll get into my true crime obsession but you know <laughs> murder is Lindsay's favorite <laughs> <laughs> and oh we also get a mention of a of i think it's una i think that's how her name is pronounced um yeah. but she's one of my favorite characters in this book she's great she's so awesome what what did you guys think did you guys have any immediate uh suspects or what you thought could have happened from just this this first introduction well i knew that it was not greed right yeah same here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i thought that was that was way too obvious i thought mm -hmm. any yeah. i i also thought that for roy the dad i thought and that'll probably be too obvious if it was the husband because you know spoiler alert it's usually the husband 
See, I, see <laughs> yeah. I did think it was Roy for, for quite a bit. I thought he was, a, I know, his whole character was always just, always described as really controlling and um, yeah. really dominating. Like when Anna talks about like how she came out to her dad and stuff and his reaction to that mm-hmm. and, and the perfume thing as well. Like it was Don't all just so it. negative towards Margot. I, no, there were a lot of things about him that weren't likable, but I just thought, oh, you know, normally it's the husband that did it. So I'm, I'm probably thinking that it wasn't. Yeah, too was my obvious. thinking. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously didn't have any other suspects except for what I thought didn't happen. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Creed? How did you? Super creepy. I struggled to form anything on him like this early in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like for me, it got really good at like the, the, the latter parts of it when it really went in depth yeah. I that was that was really good uh, but yeah i i just thought it was it it was too obvious to be him from from the beginning yeah i was ex- i mean i was about to say something and i'm like oh god that sounds awful i i love no, a go good serial it. killer story <laughs> <laughs> so i was like ooh, this is exciting and then i also just had kind of expected there to be some career of evil yeah parallels here just because of how theorizing how they kind of reflect each other knowing that there was a serial killer and how that could reflect career of evil was kind of cool so i was excited about that yeah he was awful yeah i was a bit nervous that we would get like another career of evil kind of killer where he was out exactly yeah and i'm pleased that we didn't um, yeah this is you know everything about this was far far away better robin doesn't need another serial killer after her yeah Oh, there's oh, there's also I can't believe we forgot to mention this, but we got a really good clue in this chapter. So the bit about Anna dreaming about finding her mother's head or something like in the toy chest or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that ended up. You don't really think you think that's oh, that's just a creepy dream because like oh, the stuff that the kids are saying. I get but, what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that clue there, what that was cool seeing that in uh in hindsight because that actually yes, <laughs> that actually is a kind of funny like that she picked up on that without knowing. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> spoiler alert. How uh how everything ends, but but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Something I did like at the end of this. Uh, Robin glanced back as she and Strut headed down the sunlit garden steps towards the street and caught Kim giving them a strange look as though she found something in the pair of visitors that she hadn't expected. And that's that's never expanded upon or anything. Like, what, what does that mean? I kind of thought because she kind of expects people to take advantage of Anna or that's been their experience so far. So I think Strike being really direct about the chances are not good and being really honest there maybe she felt a little bit better and was surprised by his honesty and probably felt comfortable giving them the case. That yeah. that was kind of my take on that. Cool. Yeah, she was expecting for them to be like, oh yeah, you know what? It mm-hmm. might be a, a long shot, but I think we can do it. But no, he's just like, yeah, the chances are very, very unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we'll give it, we'll give it our best shot, but, you know, yeah. I'm not going to make any promises. Yeah, it's probably just completely different from what they normally were hearing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Chapter seven. Chapter seven and the final Here chapter of this part. We're almost there. Yeah. I always like these chapters when it's just them in the land rover and they're just talking and going somewhere and head back. yeah these are these are always my favorite oh yeah like they become a lot more i know a lot more like them and they're much more natural than when they're in any other situation i really like mm-hmm. it 
we, I think we decided that we, we need at least one road trip per book. It's like a requirement. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yes. The stop, can we, can we stop for food? That doesn't count. It's mostly air. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also another, another nerd out thing. Um, they stopped at Cornwall services, which is where I stopped for a cup of coffee when I drive nice. as well. So that, that was a big up. That was really cool. Did you go to Subway? Um, I wouldn't go to that subway. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> oh no! Why? Tell us. Give us the details. Uh, it's just a little bit, a little bit scabby, I think. <laughs> like to be fair, that actual thing is really nice. Like you walk in and there's a massive row of Cornish pasties at the front, mm-hmm. and when you've driven for about four hours, it's a uh, mug of coffee and like a, you know something like that is it hits the spot for sure. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, I only I looked at pictures, but that's about it. Yeah, the pictures can only tell you so much. Yeah, I like that he immediately tells her about the argument with Lucy. I saw that and I was like, oh, good. They're going to talk more, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plot twist. Sometimes I wish we got a little bit more glimpses into the talking inconsequential nonsense. Right. That, you know, because we know it happens. They talk about stuff that's not work. We just don't really see a whole lot of that. Her, re- her reaction to him telling her what he said about Luke and Adam was hilarious. Choking on water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like him saying um, that he's going to get a plaque for Luke that says, try not being a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That's funny. That he's funny. Great. He's yeah. funny. Another thing that uh, that came up, and I mentioned this in the previous episode too, um, was she'd never known an intriguing problem to fail to engage his attention no matter what might be happening in his personal life. That's like the third time I think that has been mentioned <laughs> in in the seven chapters. I wonder if she's trying to tell us something with this. <laughs> I'm not sure he's just trying to tell us that that she's just trying to tell us that he's super curious. But also another thing that I really liked the subtle questioning about Morris from Strike about oh yeah. how do you feel about him? Oh, I heard he's kind of smarmy. <laughs> and and Robin's just like, I'm not going to say anything about this because, you know, you've got enough going on in your plate. So I'm not going to talk shit about your new hire, but I don't like him very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the way she rebuffs it towards Pat and, um, you know, they make it into a bit of a laugh. I like that. I really liked Pat from the start. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I, I, could, I could tell right from the beginning that her and Strike were way too similar. Yes, that's exactly it. They're so similar, which is why they butt heads, which is so entertaining to read. Yeah. And just his response to it was so funny. And I like that Robin brought it up and it says like uh partly out of mischief. Yeah. Which is great because <laughs> later on Strike does the same thing. Uh it's described as being mischievous or something. So just showing them being similar there too. Yeah. Yeah, but just just his reaction to Pat was so funny. <laughs> It's just like mm-hmm. when Pat says, you know, I think the example was something like, oh, well, a thank you wouldn't would yeah. be too much. But you can see him being exactly the same with, you know, with Robin and stuff, couldn't you? It's so easy. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're, they are really similar, which I think is funny. <laughs> so I was immediately just like, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing these two together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And how Robin just wasn't going to let it up like, you hired her, like, don't blame me for yeah. this. And I like her. <laughs> what are you talking about? And it's like, you were the one yeah. who wouldn't want to be ages. And that, that, <laughs> that, that whole back was forwards was great. Yeah, their banter is great. Yeah. 
and how he felt again it's described as lighthearted. Mm-hmm. he's happy to be in the car yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and more importantly talking to robin that's really the most important part of that oh yeah um speaking of i thought that and i mentioned this whenever we were reading this the very first time too that i think it's another just like little way to show their closeness but you know the fact that strike just straight up passes out in the land rover <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um considering most of the time when he's in the car he's like clenched Anxious, up and can't relax yeah. the fact that he's just he feels comfortable enough in the car with her to just pass the hell out for three hours straight is um he's like i guess i won't be offended i was i was talking but <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's like it is a little bit rude but <laughs> you're exhausted and like yeah yeah i mean you can call me you call me old-fashioned but all right you know he's had you know a week of sleeping on a sofa which is you know yeah, yeah you know any sleep at all but when you're in the car with someone who you know you really like and they're talking you generally don't want to fall asleep when they're 30 seconds in yeah call me old-fashioned not poor guy he needed some yeah. sleep mm-hmm. he had had a hard day it's good to see robin's um art psychology stuff come out a little bit more i thought that was yeah really so her social identity theory right that, yeah it, is, it was pretty interesting though just uh given kind of the themes and the the concepts that are going to come to play later on in the book you said you studied psychology right yeah i never actually got into social identity theory um i didn't get into that part i actually studied more in the sort of counseling realm um so i never actually got into that but yeah i i thought that that was super interesting as well you know people tending to kind of overestimate the similarities between groups that you're uh, that you belong with and exaggerating the differences between groups that are different from you it was really cool I, I really hope that robin can like go back to university and uh, get her degree at some point that would be really cool since she's you know she's done some personal development with the surveillance courses and everything i think that it would be cool to um to incorporate that into the agency just to, so that everybody can you know learn a little bit more and be better detectives i i I know that that's like a popular thing her going back Mm -hmm. i wonder we haven't ever really gotten much of her thoughts of it if she wants to do that Mm -hmm. yeah i I guess it's never really it's it's never been mentioned or brought up in that way and yeah i I guess in not real world like how would you know how that work around you know potentially 24-hour surveillance and stuff you know in the UK we have open university so you know you can learn towards a degree you know as you work and stuff so it might be she does something like that but real world be interesting to see how that would actually pan out if she wants to do it then that would be great I just if she doesn't that's also fine to me yeah yeah just however it works narratively in the story just I like the fact that she's using that um and she's since she's coming back into the person that she was kind of always meant to be you know before um Mm -hmm. she was attacked and everything um i thought that i think just think that would be a really cool way to kind of turn that back around and and really fully take all of that experience back yeah it's been really good to see her become the person she was meant to be rather than the person she was in in cuckoo's calling for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that that could also be applied to Strike, just, you know, oh, yeah. thinking about Leda and Charlotte, and now all of a sudden he can be also the person he's meant to be too. Yeah. Together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I listen to the audio books a lot, and I've started all the way from book one, yes. going all the way through. And when We're you... big fans of the audio books. Yeah, yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like Robert Glenister does a, a, a wicked job. But 
you know, you listen from mm-hmm. like, you know, from the very beginning, you know, his living situation, everything, actually to see it through to like mm-hmm. now and how far he's come and how much better things have got for everybody. That That's a real, you know, that's, that's a real pick me up for sure. It's really funny thinking about like if the strike from Troubled Blood and the strike from Cuckoo's Calling were to like be in the same room together. <laughs> And like, <laughs> they're very different men. Because <laughs> yeah. like the strike, the strike of, of of Cuckoo's Calling would be absolutely horrified to know that the strike of Trouble Blood yeah. is like talking about family stuff with Robin of all people, <laughs> um, with the stranger yeah. sitting in the outer office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> um, it would, he would just be like horrified. And now yeah. they've they've really come a long way. Yeah, the Robin of not the Robin, sorry, the um, the strike of the first book where it's like I won't be back till the end of the day, and he goes to the pub, and <laughs> whereas like now and you know everything is like seen through and work is so much better. And now it's always, do you want to go out to eat with me or do you want to go get breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't I get to go out on a breakfast date with you? <laughs> oh, shut up, Morris. Nobody likes you. <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same thing. You beat me to it. <laughs> so I was going to say, what do we think about how she finally tells him that Charlotte called? I think uh, it was the best way to do it. I think he was leave a, it at the know, end. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, see you later, and off she goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like that moment where he just kind of stared at or Strike, just kind of stares at her, like, "What?" Oh, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's interesting her reaction to that because, like, she, his expression is unreadable. She just wants to know so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, she just she just wants to know whether or not there's anything actually there, and <laughs> the fact that she doesn't get that like the fact that she's so invested in whether or not there's a connection between these two, <laughs> the fact that she doesn't get that the reason why she's interested is because she wants to know if there's a shot, <laughs> right? Is like Robin, girl, you are so yeah. in denial. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I remember in Lethal White when um, um, I think it's about halfway through and they're at the party for the Olympics and um, Mm -hmm. uh, Strike leaves with Charlotte and um, Robin's just at the top of the stairs and she sees them and that absolutely broke my heart and you can imagine like in like in that scene in Trouble Blood she's thinking well what actually happened like is it there isn't there like yeah I related to that so much after that. Mm I'm, I'm, I don't want Robin to, or Robin, I don't want Charlotte to come back, but I want her to come back in this form of Robin getting some closure and them actually having a conversation about what he wants and doesn't want and how he sees Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. Please happen. <laughs> yeah. They're, at least they're, well, they, they will be eventually not in, we're not in this part of the read through, but you know, later on they'll, they'll get to a point where they feel comfortable enough talking about the difficult stuff that you know they'll be able to have a conversation about charlotte that robin initiates where they try the talking thing (laughs) that whole talking thing it's very important they're working on that they are yep (laughs) slowly but surely they're they're working on on opening up all right well does anyone do you either of you have any other like major points of the first seven chapters that you wanted to talk about or did we cover most of it? Um, the only other thing that I think I have on my notes that I haven't mentioned was the couple of discrepancies in the first 
couple of chapters, just as far as saying that Strike got his leg blown off in Iraq rather than Afghanistan, and then the difference, the age difference between Strike and Lucy, saying it's what what was it four years versus two. I have to say that the first time I read this, I was so excited to have the first seven chapters early that I completely didn't pay attention to those things. <laughs> it wasn't, just it wasn't until somebody actually pointed it out that I was like, oh, yeah, that is different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like so busy trying to like inhale the you know, I, yeah. chapters that you have as quickly as possible. I will say that that my ebook version of Trouble Blood has updated with Afghanistan, but not the Lucy one. So I'm I'm wondering. It seems more like maybe that's a thing that just makes more sense to make them four years apart now. Maybe kind of going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. So I can kind of kind of ignore that. It's fine. Kind of <laughs> hand wave it yeah. a little bit, but. Yeah, I, I think that it's going to stay probably at four years. Yeah, it, it makes forward. more sense just yeah. learning about how he was being enrolled in school and how she was a newborn. And it makes it more plausible that he would be able to remember stuff from that point, too. Yeah, yeah being also bigger and able to protect both of them, mm-hmm. Leda and Lucy, I mean, Ugh. Mm-hmm. which is just awful that a child has to do that. But, you know, more about Leda later yeah. and my and all of my feelings. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a lot of pressure to be putting on one kid to protect both your mother and your half sister. Maybe just don't bring around strange men. Yeah, maybe don't let your boyfriend walk around naked naked in front of your yeah in front of your fourteen year old daughter. (laughs) Radical thought, but yeah, maybe let's not be totally inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, I have lots of feelings about Leda. Yeah. And not all of them positive. In fact, most of them probably most of very them are negative. Not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's not really doing a whole lot to uh, to get any sympathy, in, especially in this part of the book. I do understand Strike only wanting to focus on the good because she is gone and there's nothing she's else to do about it. Yeah. And she's his mom. There's nothing else to do about it. But oh, I don't have the same reaction. I'm like, this woman. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit easier to like hang on to the good things when it's you It's a little have bit easier to start to wonder who actually killed her. Yeah. Because yeah. we could get it we could get into who we think actually <laughs> yeah, killed Leda in the tone. <laughs> okay, real quick, real quick, Sam, who do you think did it? I think it was Lucy. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's gaining traction (laughs) i just i just don't understand how she would have been able to do that at like 14 how would she have gotten to london if she was living with ted and joan and known how to you know i mean i know i guess means over emotive sam you know trains and stuff like that you know going with friends to a music concert or something like that and it's like right it's it's now or never like yeah, who knows? Oh, he pulled out the now or never quote. Oh, that, that's, that, that's based on nothing at all, but um, based hey. on nothing. It look, it's a popular mm-hmm. theory. What do you guys mm-hmm. think? My biggest suspect right now is Peter Gillespie. Oh, Same. okay. Just because I think that Rokeby might be a little bit too obvious. I think that people suspect him, and we don't. He's such a mystery still right now, right? But mm-hmm. in Trouble Blood, it was said that he was kind of like the enforcer for Rokeby. And then Al also implies that he doesn't know how far he goes sometimes. Al says that 
based on um, getting the money back from Strike. He didn't know how far he went. So um, it just kind of made me think, oh, I wonder if he thought he was taking care of a problem for Rokeby and Rokeby doesn't really know how far it went. So that's that's my current theory, subject to change at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he would have the means too. Yeah. To, we just don't know. I feel like it's definitely someone that we already know, whether we were briefly introduced to them or, or whatever. I know another popular theory is Whitaker's grandparents who raised him because they wanted custody of Switch. I know that Ted is another theory. Yeah. I was going to say, what about Ted? I, so <laughs> I like suck. it. It would <laughs> suck. I, I yeah. have to say, I like this theory as much as I hate it. I hate it because it would devastate him. And one of like my favorite lines of Trouble Blood was how it says that he was the example of manhood to strike and what he aspired to. So uh, I really love that. It was so sweet. I do appreciate the the symmetry that would have like opening with Cuckoo's Calling where it it's the brother who did it and then ending with that. I feel yeah. like that would be kind of nice. So I, I like it as much as I hate it, but I really don't want that to be true because I think it would be really hard for Strike to to deal with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we've put him through enough. Enough. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, especially with what happens in this book is like, that would yeah. just be devastating if both of his people who stepped up to be parents. Parental figures, yeah. Yeah, because I do feel like a lot of these, so much of this is about healing right for him especially Mm -hmm. both of them him and robin about healing and being who they're supposed to be so i feel like that might be a major setback in that and be really hard so i I don't know if i fully see i i really don't think that that's true but i do like i enjoy the theory (laughs) i'll say that (laughs) it's fun kind of spitballing it there's somebody who shall remain nameless who's who tossed out polworth being the person who i saw that (laughs) i read that article like Hmm. And I'm, which I'm like, mm, that is a stretch. You are really, yeah. you, are, you are stretching that cannon to fit. <laughs> I couldn't really uh, read the whole thing because it, it, it was kind of a bit long. But yeah, but, but honestly, I will have to put everyone who is around or knew them back then, they're all on my list. And then I just have to kind of see what fits most. So he would be on the list, but like really down low. Yeah, really, really down there. The one thing that in Trouble Blood kind of stuck out to me about Ted was when he's having that conversation with Joan. He's telling her about the case, you know. Is it a Capricorn? Is that what it says? Uh, yes. He's he's telling her that Talbot thought that the killer was a Capricorn. And she goes, oh, Ted's a Capricorn. And I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just a very emphatic No. Yeah, I think I think I saw that on a Reddit and that just uh-huh. exploded. And I was just there like, are we really basing this off of star signs? But this is what she does, though. This is yeah. These are the kind of seeds that she plants and the little clues that she plants. So I know sometimes they mean nothing. I had thought there was something that I read in the silkworm that I thought was going to be a big deal. And it, it wasn't. <laughs> but there is like a moment in the silkworm where she's or Robin is thinking about all of these weird letters that they've received Mm -hmm. do you remember this she's like and she's listing them and then the very last one is something about satanic yeah because she's like going through the the letters that are in the nutter drawer and there's like (laughs) yes that's what it is and um the third one is an anonymous writer who had demanded that strike help him 
help them expose a national campaign of satanic abuse, which they knew to be operating through the offices of the Citizens Advice Bureau. I had kind of thought that that might be important, that maybe, because, you know, we kind of had these clues about troubled blood and tarot cards like the and the occult. And yeah. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that'll come up. It didn't. Yeah. But it's just one of those things. It kind of reminded me of um, Order of the Phoenix when they first find the locket. It, it just reminded me of how like things were listed off and just very casually mentioned. And then it comes up to be important later. Yeah, yeah that locket that nobody could open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just, I, I when the series is finished and we go through and we reread them, what are we going to find that it's like, yeah. ah. <laughs> like, whoa, that was so obvious. I can't believe I missed that. That's, yeah, the great part about rereading <laughs> is that, like, you find little things, like, every time that's mm -hmm. just like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Sam, have you reread them? Like, have you read them more than once, the Strike series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this will be my, um, like, rereading the first seven, um, like, you know, this weekend and stuff. This will probably be my third of Trouble Blood. The others I've done twice. Nice. I don't even know how many times, if I include listening to the audiobooks. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not including the audiobooks. I must have done them, you know, half a dozen times. Uh, the word obsession <laughs> comes to mind, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but those audiobooks are just so good. They're so good. <laughs> hint, hint, Robert Glenister, we want you on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on with us, Sam. That was fun. Hey, no, it's all good. No, it's been really cool to you know sit with you guys and chat about it all. I've really enjoyed it. It's been really good yeah, fun. Yeah, good. We'll have to um, you know let us know if you want to come on again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, I've I've really enjoyed this and like rereading and stuff. So if you guys do want me back on, I'm more than happy to to come on anytime. Sounds really cool. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. it was fun. Great. <laughs>